hi welcome back this is your host miriam khan at raise your vibes today i'm really pleased to have alison dagny back on raise your vibes show hi alison welcome back hi miriam i'm so happy to be here thanks for having me you're welcome some of the listeners you may or may not recall i previously had alison on our show uh, we discussed her particular book. Alison, will you just remind everybody what your book was called? Yes, my book is called When Tears Leave Scars, and it is a true story of triumph over emotional abuse. And that's a book that I will give details about again in the podcast description. But I've invited Alison onto the podcast show because I've noticed recently she's been doing a lot more pod, uh, a lot more posts on Instagram and various other things, including myself to do with healing and to do with, you know, moving forward from whether it's a narcissistic um, abusive relationship or whether it's just an abusive relationship or something that's dealt with trauma. And we're going to discuss how we hopefully move forward, how we heal or how we have the steps towards healing. So let's just give a bit of a summary, Alison, into your particular background, um, into your particular situation, just for those listeners that perhaps have never come across you before. Okay, so I was a victim of emotional and narcissistic abuse for about 20 years. I had met my, um, who is now my ex-husband, when I was 19 years old, and we got married at 21, and we had three kids, and the entire marriage, I felt like there was something wrong, um, and and that was something wrong with me. Um, It was over time um, of me seeking out therapy, me seeking out medication, going to the doctor, trying to figure out all of the things that I could do in order to, to fix my marriage. Um, but I didn't realize at the time that I was experiencing emotional abuse by a covert narcissist. So I decided at that point, you know, once I figured out what was happening to me, that I had to get out immediately and I had to remove my children from that situation. And then I decided it was time to, to expose this. And that's why I wrote my book, because I want people to understand what it's like for victims. And I want to provide hope and inspiration and validation and information, you know, just to to raise awareness about this type of abuse, because it's really, really common. Yeah. The thing is, um, Alison, and we can relate to this because we discussed it in some depth in, in our prior podcast. I myself have left, you know, I've recently just got divorced from a narcissistic um, husband myself. And... You're right. You don't realize you're in it. You don't realize no matter how educated you are, how outspoken you are, how aware you are, how alert you are. When you're in that particular toxic sort of environment, you don't realize some of the things that are covertly being done to you. Whether it's, you know, some people nowadays, they call it grooming, don't they, Alison? You know, they call it uh, narrative, they call it abuse, they call it trauma. But, you know, abuse can be on so many different levels, not just... um, not just, you know, physical abuse. That's what some people seem to think. It's mental abuse. It's um, physical abuse. It's emotional abuse. Financial abuse is a big thing. You know, I was in my particular relationship for over six years and it was some sort of final hurdles, final things that would make or break for me. Like you, um, I can relate to the fact that you try to fix your marriage because we've both discussed this before. When you enter a marriage, it's something meant to be of a unity of love isn't it okay you enter it because you have certain uh, dreams certain passions you think this is the partner of of your life you know none of us want to divorce 
do we? None of us. When we enter that marriage, it's one of unionship, of two people becoming one. And sadly, these things, you know, don't, don't turn out the way they want to. Like you, Alison, you know, I also published my own book, you know, Diary of Abuse of a Loved One, as well as other books. These are things we've both done to help others out of it. And that's one of the reasons I've invited you on the show again, because obviously we have a lot in common. And like you, we keep things hidden. And sometimes it's because, one, we're not aware of things going on. Other people might, might not. Sometimes we keep it very hidden because we're embarrassed. We're ashamed. There's guilt. Um, we don't want to admit. I think sometimes it's we don't really want to admit that there's a problem. You know, we might brush it off as so-and-so is having a bad day. You know, we make up excuses, don't we? We don't want to face reality yes. sometimes, yeah? And it's yeah. only when, you know, it's only when we sort of like break free or leave and we, we come out the other side, which we both definitely have, you know, that you, you yeah. see, oh, my God, what was happening to me? You know, yeah. what was happening I, to I me? I experienced that, too. I mean, even the parts that you were saying, you know, I didn't really know what was happening. I didn't know to put the label of, you know, narcissism or covert narcissism or emotional abuse or mm. abuse even. Um, I didn't know to put those labels on there, but... But I did feel, I did notice the red flags, ignore the red flags early. I did know things didn't seem right or feel right, and I did share that with certain people. Now, the people I was able to share it with <clears throat> were the people within his family, like his mom and his um, sister-in-laws and people who um, I was permitted to talk to because he did a lot of isolation. I was, you know, isolated from my mom. I was isolated from my family. Um, so, you know, the only people that I could really confide in were the people who were already within that toxic circle. Yeah. So, you know, when you're confiding, confiding in people who are a part of that toxic circle, they're not going to say to you, no. oh, this is bad, you need to get out. They're no, not because they're, that. they're just, well, because that person who's who's the, the main narcissist, or Machiavellian in many, many ways, you might want to look at it, you know, it's very clear cut like a chess game it's been worked out like that on purpose because they don't want you out of those ranks they don't want you discussing things with other people because then the reality will sink in you know as long as you're in a close-knit society this becomes normal whatever normal is doesn't it and you know people yeah. that are listening into this might be on that verge of leaving or coming out of it we've talked before haven't we in our prior podcast how you know, like they say in The Godfather, the very, very famous line, you know, I, I get out of it and they pull me back in. You know, something along those lines. And it's hard. It's hard to leave. It's hard to be grounded because all your support system, all your financial support system is gone. It's shattered. They've done that on purpose so that you're weak. Right. You're weak. You're vulnerable, yeah. like you said. You have no friends, nowhere to go. You're going to keep coming back, you know. And right. you and I have managed to come out of this in one way or another, you know, whether you're unscathed or not, you'll never be the same. You'll, you know, I'll never be the same. Personally, for me, I've come out stronger and a lot, lot tougher, you know, and I don't suffer yeah. fools gladly anymore. Now I see through people very quickly. It was almost like I had cataracts before. That's the best way I can describe it, you know. Yeah, um, it makes they're you in a fall. And yeah, that fall finally missed. Yeah, so yeah. those people that are tuning in and listening, you know, um, you obviously, Alison, you had a tough time. 
you know, your your main foundation with your mum was destroyed. That relationship with her was destroyed. That would have been someone you would have hopefully have gone to for support. Am I right? Absolutely. And I think my mom actually, you know, moms have a sense about themselves, you know, about their children. Yeah. And I think my mom knew that there was something wrong. And she knew deeply that she couldn't convince me to to get out of a situation. Now, I, she didn't know either. She didn't know that this was abuse. She didn't know that this was emotional abuse or that he was an She didn't know those things, but she had a sense of something's not right here. This isn't my daughter. She doesn't, she's not the same as she used to be. She's changing into something mm -hmm. that doesn't look like her. Um, and those are the things that I think a lot of parents who have children um, who are being abused emotionally, psychologically, physically, they, they feel, um, like their hands are tied. They can't do a whole lot. What yeah. do they do? And especially if they've been in a position of isolation where the narcissist has really um, stopped the communication, prevented it, made it really difficult. Like in my case, it was really hard for me to be with my family because he just made it so difficult. It was so hard to be with my family, with him. If, if, if I was able to convince him to go to a family event, he would sit in the corner and be on his phone and not communicate with anybody. And then he would text me, it's time to go. We need to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. So it just put that pressure on you, mm. you know? So it that's how isolation works. It's not just mm. like you can't no, no, no. talk to this person anymore. No, they do it's it in a very covert kind of way, very covert way, very manipulative way. And they do this, right. they do this in stages, you know? It will depend. You know this yourself, don't you? They'll do it in stages where suddenly you don't realize that the support network you had is gone, you know? And this yes. is also one of the reasons why many, many people that try to leave a situation like this, whether they're male or female, because it can happen to any gender, it makes it very, very difficult for them to have any sort of support to leave. I know somebody that is trying very hard at the moment in my own personal life someone who I'm, I love very, very dearly has tried several times, several times, and it's not an easy situation to go through. There is a child involved. You can relate to that because you've got children yourself, Alison. I don't. And I can remember people saying to me, oh, it's easy for you to leave because you don't have children. Well, that would sting me because for years I was trying to, to, to have a child, you know, I get where that person's coming from. I get what they're saying. I don't disrespute that. Because, you know, you will have to have those ties and the connections for a long time. I get that. But it right. doesn't make the situation any easier when you're trying to leave someone. There are still maybe financial ties. You might have property together, a car together. Whatever it is, you have still have ties. You know, okay, it's not a child. It's not a human being. Some, in some cases, people have pets. And I know this might sound crazy to some of you, but, you know, people get attached to their cats, their dogs. They do. It's part of you, you know. So it doesn't matter what what respect, whether it's children. But children, yes, it's complicated, isn't it? You know. So yeah, how do we come forward from that? The legal aspect. Yeah. Yeah. There's a legal aspect when it comes to the children. Um, there are there's emotional aspects when it comes to the finances. When it and, and, you know there might be legal ramifications there too. But in yeah. pet situations, um, you know the thing is, you know I I really find it um, off putting when people uh, try to compare abuse. Like oh well, it's easier for you, or oh well, it's harder for this person, or that must be you know well it wasn't you know he didn't hit you or you yeah know, those abuse types of is comments, abuse. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's why I say that all the time. I mean, it, it really, 
um, is difficult to even have a conversation with someone because to me it sounds victim blaming. You know, yeah. it's like you know what everybody goes through goes through their things. Everybody has different circumstances. My circumstance is different from yours. Yours is different from the next person. And you know what we should be doing is we should be supporting each other all the way through instead of comparing the levels yeah. of abuse yeah. and determining what is and what isn't. Sometimes I think it's a lack of education or lack of understanding, not just empathy and sympathy. Uh, recently I had um, somebody say to me, it was my fault. Clear, straight cut, <sighs> just didn't even look, didn't even give me an opportunity to say it was because of this, 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 this that I ended up divorced. Straight away, your fault. And I looked at this person, she was female, with children, and I said, do you know, we're very judgmental, aren't we? You know? And I could see in this person's face and in emotions, they were wanting to cry. They felt empathy, but there was something almost like their mindset was conditioned to say, it's your fault, your fault, lay the blame. And when I looked at this person, they burst out crying. Burst out crying. And I thought, you know, let it be, just let it be, let them do what they need to do. And once the crime was over, I said, did that feel better? And I said, what was that about? Well, I can relate to you because my sister was in a similar situation. So I said, why did you then automatically target me before I've even said anything about the situation? You know, you we should be in a situation where we hear at least someone out. And, you know, it sounds maybe a bit rude or sexist, but as females, we normally have that skill of empathy and sympathy. We will listen to each other, you know what I mean? And we will have that time where we can relate. But this lady wasn't doing that initially. There was hostility instead, and let's be judgmental. Some of it was cultural, you know? And when she sort of had that little crying moment and then realised and sat back and reflected, the, the attitude changed. You know, and when I actually explained, when I was given the opportunity to explain, then it was, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I said, no, you shouldn't. She apologized and, you know, I took the apology. But this is what we're up against. Now, if somebody's doing that who, you know, is not even a close friend, just someone I know, imagine, imagine a loved one, you know, imagine a close one. There are family members that aren't always going to support you either when you're trying to leave a narcissist and you're trying to sort of you know go through these scenarios and and move forward um some people will try to keep you in that circle so um you know you've said yourself you've got this narcissistic group that that relates to this partner well someone's own family members that are supposed to encourage you to leave they want you to have the freedom no, they're the ones also saying stay, stay, stay because of right. the child, for example, stay because right. of the child's education or stay because of the child's stability financially and so on. So I think also, and I can empathize with this, that from that point of view, that must make it even harder, you know, to, to, to leave, to leave and to, and to move forward, you know. So what did you do in that particular situation to help um, yourself so, move forward, what can we? What advice can we give to other people in this position? So you know, when when you were speaking about that, the thing that was running through my mind is how people um, operate based on their own programming. 
-hmm. They operate based on their own life experiences. So how you were raised, the things that you watched on television, the friend groups that you had, the teachers that you had, the family influences, the traumas that you might have gone through, the good experiences, the bad experiences, all of that shapes you. And that shapes your outlook on life. Same way as mine. So when someone says something to you like that to blame you, um, there's a lot of stuff that's running in the background of that person's mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, we only operate with about, I think about, I think it's 5% of our conscious brain. So that mm -hmm. 95% is all the other stuff that happened to us that we start believing. And so then we can end up projecting those things onto other people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as how, you know, one of the major things that I have recently learned is my beliefs are shaping my reality. My beliefs are either causing me pain or causing me to, to heal. Um, I see so many people who write things like divorce should never happen or he should have never done that to me or I am so guilty because I tore our family apart. And, mm. and you ruminate and you mm -hmm. sit and kind of marinate in all of these bad feelings mm. about you and about the other person. And it's what's happening is those beliefs are what's creating the emotion. So for Correct. me, you know, I've done therapy, I've done journaling, I've done self-care, I've done all of these things. But really, the thing that has really opened my eyes is starting to question what I think and what I believe. Because yeah. all of that 95% has been driving my emotions. Yeah. So now it's like when those types of things pop up, I go, huh, okay, well, what am I thinking about this? And why is this making me so angry? And why do I feel guilty about that? And then I dig down deeper and try to figure out what it is that I'm believing that's causing me to feel that way. And then I start to think, okay, well, is that really true? Let me poke some holes into this. You know, um, let, let me question this a little bit further. Is this just something that I've been told over the years? Is this something that is actually true? Can I prove that it's true? And as I question those things, then I start to peel back those layers and start to expose the truth and start to feel the healing happening within me. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. way of looking at it. And you can do that when, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this next phrase, but you can do that when you're, when you're in a rational, calm state of mind. Now, when I say the word rational, you know yourself, my, my background is teaching. So to me, words are very crucial, words are very important. When I say rational, I don't mean disrespectfully that people don't think rationally. It's just when you are in a state of trauma, like what we're describing, your thoughts are so scattered. Your thoughts have been so, it's almost like you've been hit over the head with a baseball bat. 1,000 times by the narcissist and the abusive person. You are not thinking clearly. You're not. You've had your power stripped away. You're basically powerless. That's how we feel. You know, we've had control taken from us, whether it's, like I said, financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever the dynamics are. You feel like an empty shell, an empty vessel. So sometimes when you're trying to think for yourself, you can't, Right? And sometimes, in right. worst-case scenario, from people I've counseled or people I've dealt with, even from my own experience, you know, uh, you have these things shaken, almost like this tree, and the roots have been shaken. And you can't, you don't know where you're going. You're like this deer in the headlights, you know. Some of us will be in different sort of um, experiences. We'll be slightly calmer. We'll be thinking very logically. We'll be thinking, let's aim 10 steps ahead. 
Then there are some of us that are going through situations where we're relying on anyone to tell us what to do. Because we're so used to feeling powerless and not empowered, we rely on a very close friend that we trust. And remember, in these predicaments, it's hard, isn't it, Alison? It's hard to trust someone with what's happening to us, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there are different different aspects to that particular scenario, you know? All of us will have different experiences of trying to find some sort of, you know, a restorative pattern, restorative, like trying to rebuild ourselves. When we give our power away in these situations, which we do, you know, some of us feel powerless, definitely. Some of us start eventually to feel powerful, but still it's a long journey before we can trust ourselves again to think for ourselves, you know, and I think it's beautiful. You've said that, that, you know, you try to think, you try to detach, you, I've done the same. I'm a strong individual and this, these things still happen to me, you know, and there's going to be people that aren't necessarily in that situation, are they? So what other strategies right. can you think of as well that, that you can give other right. listeners? Because we're all different. Right. And, and I've done so many different things like that has been the thing that has been the most kind of eye opening for me. Yeah. But I will tell you. When you're in a, an abusive situation, you can't heal in a, that position. Like, I really, truly feel like you have to remove yourself from the toxic situation in order to heal. So that's number one. Um, once you're, you know, beginning your healing journey, you have to really be committed to healing. Like, commit to yourself. Like, I do not want this person having any more control over my life. Whether, you know, I'm not with them, but there are things that have happened to me that have been conditioned in me that are my behaviors that are my responses uh, to trauma or to triggers or things like that so you have first you have to commit to heal um, and then the other thing I think is really important is to take a self-assessment um, and I think a lot of people neglect this part mm, um, a lot of times when you're a victim you think they did this to me they Correct. did that to me now I'm in position so that's Correct. true those are all true things but we must take a self-assessment and sit down and actually maybe even write this out. What are the things that I am not okay with about me? Yeah. You know, if you're constantly saying, he's he did this, she did that, I, you know, I'm not okay because of what they did. Okay, but what is it about you that you can control? Because the truth of the matter is, that's already happened. You can't change the past. No. All you can do is control you and what you do. So taking a self-assessment was really, really big for me yeah. to think, okay, wh- what am I with and what I'm not? I think with that particular one, I like the word that you've used, self-assessment, almost like a doctor doing a check-in, you know? But it's correct. What One of the things we do as human beings, and we do this too much, is we, we label and we place blame on others. It's easy to place blame. Now, sometimes you have to forgive yourself. And that's where people don't do it. For example, I gave my power away. I enabled, you know, because we do. We, we, yes, we were being abused, but also we have to say to ourselves, look, you're not at fault. Be kind to yourself. It's not always that person. You also have to take responsibility for some of the things you unknowingly or unwittingly did. Okay. And by, by understanding that, by accepting that, by being okay with that, forgiving yourself too, right? Because it's a two-way process. You start being truthful. 
You know, you stop being truthful you to yourself. And until you start that relationship, you know, where you've perhaps given away your power, perhaps you've given away your um, situation, you then you get to a situation where you realise, you know, actually I need to take responsibility for this, you know. And okay, next time I'm not going to do this, this, this and this with the person. For example, you could have given your money away. You could have given your time away, time that you're not necessarily going to get back. But at the time, it was the right decision for you and for that person. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I forgive myself. Next time, right. I'm going to channel my energy or my time into this instead. You know, instead of being yeah. so bent up. And what we do, it's almost like a dog with the bone. We hold on to it. We hold on to it for a long time. And that's one of the things, one of the, one of the things that's happening to me at the moment, and I'm laughing, Alison, is because although I am, you know, a certain short time into the divorce, people are saying to me, you're too happy. I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, and I'm actually, I am happy. I am happier. And I'm continuing to right. be happier. You know, and I do the emphasis. Um, yeah, because I'm rebuilding my life again. I'm finding me again. I'm loving me again. And it's almost like they're saying, no, you shouldn't be. You should be sad. I'm like, no way. No, 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 no. I am that's reborn. Where the belief comes in. Yeah, that's where the belief comes in because their life, in their mind, they think, well, healing should take six months <laughs> or a year or two years or 10 years. In their minds, that's their belief. So yes. when, the, when they see something that argues with their belief, which is you healing faster than what they think, that creates all kinds of weird feelings within them. Yeah. So, you know, what I would tell that person was maybe you need to look at what you <laughs> think about how healing should occur. Yeah. Because really the reality is it's occurring on your timeline, not theirs. Yeah. And also why That's are you not true. happy? <laughs> Obviously I am. Right. I am. Um, I, I, had, um, I don't know if I had told you previously, I had... Um, during the divorce, before prior to the divorce, I had been learning how to sail. I got my sailing license in a dinghy. I'd never done it. I faced challenges, but I went and did it. Now, recently, um, since I last spoke to you, I've been learning how to kayak. I had my second lesson. Right. And you know what? It was so invigorating. And, and it was after I had finished work. I'm normally tired. I don't have the energy. But I pushed myself. I was up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, for work. And I had been doing various things. Normally, I am tired around about five, six o'clock in the evening, which is understandable. It's a long day, right? But for some reason, I found this energy to, to drive nearly two hours to go to this place, to go kayaking on an evening. I hadn't eaten anything. I was hungry. But the fact that I was just, there was just this excitement. And there was this whole, wow, I'm going to do something cool. I'm going to do something new, something I've always wanted to do. And I was out there in the sea with nature, with the sun coming down. And it was just beautiful. And I just, I remember sitting in this boat praying, praying. And it doesn't matter what your beliefs are, what your faiths are. I was there going, thank you, God. Thank you for giving me the freedom and the love to see, to hear the birds. As silly as it might sound, to appreciate these little things that when I'm in my busy little schedule of life and work, I didn't get a chance to do that. And, you know, I will continue doing other things too, but it gave me a new life again, you know. And I'm always, you know, out doing something, doing something new, but I feel like I have this new energy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there are days, there are some days, when, like you, when you said about that little voice, 
you know you hear that little voice yeah. coming into into your sort of like um memory there are little things little triggers like for example innocently innocently somebody will say mrs so-and-so and i'm taken aback mm. and it stings mm -hmm. and it really stings mm -hmm. in time i'm sure i will heal from that at the minute still really raw to me and it's someone innocently said it because obviously in, in my teaching background of course they address you by your formal name you know so normally it's it has been for a long time mrs khan now it's miss khan you know and you're having to say to someone please can you address me like this you know that salutation yeah. but when people innocently say it stings it still stings yeah. and this yeah when you mentioned about your your kayaking experience you know i i really that's another thing and it just made me think about self-care and how that's so important you know yeah. and rediscovering you what you love because when you're with someone who has really kind of stripped away your identity you don't know what you love you don't know what you like to do um you might have trouble even making a decision on where to go eat yeah. um even when you live by yourself you know i mean those kinds of things are just the poison that happens over time with emotional abuse so doing things like you did and and just you found that energy because that's what your soul needed yes. that's what your body has been yes it's been craving for, it yeah, to re, kind of re, rediscover yourself. I, I don't want to say like, you know, when people say, I don't I don't know who I am. Like, yeah, you might not have known who you are, but you've always known who you are. Yeah. You just have to find who that is. Yes. You know, rediscovering yourself. It's, it's, it's also finding the joy in things. Like, for example, in a, in a sort of situation like that, you've always done things as two people, you know. You've done things in a particular way, and it's breaking free from that too. And doing the things you've always wanted to do. You know, age shouldn't be a restriction. Gender shouldn't be a restriction. Your nationality, your faith shouldn't be a restriction. I'm breaking all those molds, you know. And, and I'm going out and doing that. And, it, and to some people that are around me, they're like, uh, you're enjoying yourself a little bit too much. And I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, of course. In fact, Alison, at the moment, I am looking at um, where I am at the moment in the country that I'm in. They are doing some parachuting and basically you come out of an aeroplane, you get filmed and, and I'm looking into that for next week. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. You're, that? Uh, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's I, do I next. I would be afraid. I would be so <laughs> afraid, but you're so brave. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Let's do it. I am, like you said, oh there. God. There's a part of me that is just full of joy, joy for myself again, love for myself again. Because, you know, when you come through this journey, it is so hard to love yourself. And I said this before that, you know, you can always love your partner. Of course you do. But you must leave that like reserve bank and love yourself more. And that's something we find hard. We fall in love with our partners, whoever it is. We love them more than us. We do. We do. We love our children. Of course we do. But we love our partner more. When that rock is gone, things fall apart, you know. And where are you going to get the joy from? You know, if you don't have it within, no one else is going to come and give it to me. Correct? That's right. You know, and That's some, right. You some, have to love yourself. Yeah, yeah. And some people will find it in different things, different you know, hence we have different issues with different things that happen, you know, whether it's alcohol abuse, you know, eating disorders, people will find things different way. For me at the minute, I seem to get joy from kayaking, sailing, jumping out of a plane, potentially. 
you know? Okay, so that's where I'm at. You know, or like I said to you before, I'd gone to the gun shooting range and tried to, you know, practice how to do... There was all these things I wanted to do. Now I'm suddenly finding the joy to do that. Not everybody will be in that predicament. Some some people, as you know, they'll take small steps, whether it's, like you said, going to a small church group. It could be that you go to the local library. It might be that you have a close friend, like, like my friend has. You slowly start to make your escape plan. You know, you slowly start okay. to build strong foundations of someone who you know has got your back. You know, because it's hard right. to leave. It is hard. But it's you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep yeah, coming and, you know, to the one, side. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, um, that I feel like that, and someone had taught me this, because a lot of times when you um, are lo- you you don't have that self love or you, you put mm-hmm. other people before you, which a lot of times a lot of empathic yeah, yeah. people do that, um, and that's part of what gets us you know into that kind of predicament. Um, the the thing that is important when it comes to self care, self love, to me, which I have learned, is what are the things I think about? What are the things that I would want someone to do for me mm-hmm. that shows love Mm. and how can I do those things for myself so big big glaring thing that most people don't even think about is boundaries and um commitment to yourself so like if I say if I'm laying in bed at night and I say tomorrow I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna work out if my husband said to me tomorrow I'm gonna do x y or z for you and didn't do that what does that do to the relationship that I have with him I don't feel connected to this person. I don't feel this person is reliable. I don't feel that love. I start removing myself from that person yeah. if it happens consistently. So if we don't do those things for ourselves, we don't have a commitment to ourselves. Yeah. We do not build that love for ourselves. No. That's where I feel like a lot of people struggle with learning how to love themselves. Correct. And, and one of the things, one of the strategies I've used in my counseling with people, especially recently in scenarios like this is, you know where they've got they've got a clear love clear love for their child clear love but they're in such an abusive narcissistic situation that they can't even take their child out of that situation because they're locked they're trapped and one of the strategies i had to say was i want you to and, and they knew that i had a close bond with their child okay and it was a loving caring obviously relationship before i'd even suggested this and my my suggestion was what would you do if that child was mine? You're babysitting my child, who at the moment is in your care. Would you allow that to happen? And as soon as I said that, like a little bulb went, no. And the, the in, you know, like normally mothers have this sort of like um, traditional, I guess, stereotypical lion sort of mode, where if you even hurt their child, they go into, you know, lioness mode, right? When a narcissist or abusive person has has dealt away with you, as you know, that's stripped away in some cases. Not all, in some cases. So in some cases, you know, the child is also unfortunately getting abused badly. Badly, you know, and social services or child protection are not involved. And what the narcissist does very easily is manipulate it to the point where you are the one that looks like you're abusing the child. And this is part of the person's plan. I'm sorry to say, stereotypically, this has always been male in the cases I've dealt with. 
you know it has not been filming that's what i've come across so far and they've done it so that the last thing they do to hurt you as a female is take your child away because they know right. that's the last thing you'll do it's the last form of control you know whether it's taking their passport their birth certificate um, taking them out of school when you did not give permission these are all the little tricks that they do you know um yeah. turning up at where you live where you've moved on taking the keys of your vehicle or turning up around the area where your family lives when knowing full well you're not breaking any laws but you're intimidating you're threatening of course you are you're saying i'm here this is my presence almost it sounds really rude to say this almost like a dog urinating on its block saying this is me i'm here the police can't do anything because you haven't broken any laws it doesn't matter which country you're in these are tactics that these narcissists do and they start intimidating the yeah. family the children the siblings everything that you have got as a, as a concrete fist you know that you've relied on they web away at it web away at it web away at it you know to the point where you are crumbling and that person of course yeah. they're not going to have love they're going to have no love for themselves because how can they how can they that person has manipulated has gaslighted stripped every part of your whole essence you don't even know who you are you know and also they're putting your child at risk you know i might not be a mother right. yet i have hope that i will have a child i keep saying that word yes i'm 43 but i am a born mom you know my kids in my schools that i've taught throughout the year they're my children they are they're my children and i do you know we have a term in teaching we call it loco parentis you know and it's about treating them as if if you were the parent. Well, I go above and beyond sometimes because you can see clearly who is vulnerable in your classroom, you know, who's been neglected. You see it. And as a human being, you can't help, you know, get into that mode. But trying to get out of that situation, trying the one that I've just described to you, is damn hard. Damn hard. Because you've not even got a skeleton almost to work on. When you're trying to help that right. person leave, you know, you're trying to help them get out, whether you're supporting them emotionally. And this is why we're having this podcast. That person is like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, there's nothing to be sorry for. There is nothing. They, right. they are repeatedly in that cycle of abuse. They've tried to leave. They've been sucked back in. They've tried to get out. Money's run out. Resources have run out. The person's tracked them down, you know. They've, 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 they've reset themselves up, for example, in some cases I've been dealing with recently. They've managed to get out. They've done an amazing job to get over that first hurdle, you know, with a child in tow. They've managed to get out. They've restarted, resettled, only for the person to find them again, you know. And then once they've moved again, they've had to move house again. You know, we've had this discussion. It is not easy. It is not easy because... You've got things like the child's education to think about. You know, you're having to explain to different exam boards or, you know, it depends on which particular age they're at. It doesn't matter. You, at the end of the day, can be held responsible for neglecting that child's education. And that person will use it against you. And this is the tricky thing, isn't it? When kids are involved, yeah. it's not as clear cut. There is a law in this country, this country, this country, but the person that's the narcissist will manipulate to make you the bad guy. Oh, you didn't, you know, didn't have them educated. They missed school. 
for this day, this day, this day, it's used against you. You know, when they yeah. intimidate and threaten and say, I want to see my child, you have an obligation, right? To meet that particular, right. because if you don't, the law says, well, you held back, you know, and you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You meet, you make the appointment. In some cases, yes, they spend time with the child. And in other cases, oh, um, can you just go and push them on the swing? Uh, can you just go and do this? And also then this financial abuse too, which I'm, I'm listening, you know, the people that I'm counselling at the moment, and I'm, and I'm sure, Alison, you can relate to this, asking money for pampers because you've not given me the money for the child support. They want receipts. They want proof that you've spent it on these things. Okay, yes, I've given you a receipt. Well, why did you buy this brand? You should buy the cheap brand. Right? Getting into very, very petty, 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 petty politics. And then saying, um, oh, well, I'm just going off out with my friends. When they've then wanted to see the child, they've invited themselves. When I say invited, I'm saying inverted commas here, people. Pushed themselves into that person's family. So remember, they pushed, they worked really hard to get rid of that narcissist. And then the family feel obliged to let them live with them so that at least there's someone witnessing what's going on. And lo and behold, the dynamics of the abusive relationship are happening under that roof. Again. Mm -hmm. And the family, yeah. God bless them, the family don't know whether to call the police or to let it happen. or They, they, tr they don't know where to stand. Because at the end of the day, there's a grandchild involved, you know, and they, they, they want to keep the peace. But the person has manipulated it so much that it's toxic, toxic, toxic. And saying to that individual, you're going to be back with me next week. And walking in on the bedroom, you know, walking in and saying, come on, let's do your marital duties. You're still my wife. Carry on. This is what I'm talking about. Some people have it bad. Some people have it really, really wow. bad. Some people have it in a different scenario. You try to leave again. You try, try and leave again from that toxic situation. And when you try to leave again, they're showing up the school where your child is at. You've already said, I don't want this person coming, for example. You know, this person cannot come and collect my child, for example. You know, these are, these are women I've been helping, Alison, over the last couple of months. It's not just one predicament. It's several. And my heart bleeds for them. I am supportive. I help them. I'm not, you know, um, breaking their confidentiality. I'm not. I'm just putting into perspective. 2021, this is still happening. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. We have so many people struggling. Big time. Big time to the point where some people are suicidal. Because they can't take no more. It's too much. Right. And the narcissist does it on freaking purpose to break you. Because you've just started to heal yes, like a little plaster. You, you've taken a little layer off. You've let the scab heal. You sort of move forward. And they know you've moved forward. So they do it again. You know, these things I'm telling you it, to make sure you go back. Can you relate right. to any of this? Or is this a shock to you or... Uh, no, I can relate to it, not personally, um, but I can, I mean, sort of personally, you know, yeah. when you talk about like a trauma bond or a situation where you are under financial control and emotional abuse, um, I mean, that was literally the whole 20 years I was 
I was in the relationship. Yeah. But I didn't know that that's what was happening. Yeah. So looking back, I can see, you know, I, I, I thought about leaving. I thought about divorcing. I thought about, you know, you know, for all intents and purposes, that he would die. You know, I thought about how could I get out? I mean, that's really, really what it boiled down to. How can I get out of this situation um, where I never took any physical action or steps until I realized that I was dealing with a covert narcissist and somebody who was, like you said, abusing on purpose. So, you know, I have people who I deal with as well who have similar situations as what you're describing and have gone through similar situations as you're describing. So how do we get over that? How do we come out of that? That's what we are discussing because, you know, it's not easy, right? Right. You know, I, I think, Miriam, one of the most important things, and this is why I wrote my book, is awareness. I think, you know, that is such a big piece of the puzzle I uh, that I was missing for so long. And, you know, sharing posts, sharing podcasts like you're doing, um, sharing books, and not just my book, all no. books, all books that are, you know, about these types of things, sharing them with people that you know, people in your family, helping people understand what this really is about. It's not just, oh, this person's in a relationship and her husband's a jerk. Like, yeah. this is so much deeper. Yeah, than yeah, that. yeah. You know, awareness is really key. It's really, really key. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I didn't do as long as you, but I said to you before that I have come across this before. I've seen it in my childhood. I've seen it with adults around me like you said earlier you become to, this is normal you know this is normal pattern of behavior because you, you, your family around you are the pure examples you know nature nurture whatever you want to call it but what i will say okay i didn't i didn't do as long a time i make it sound like a jail sentence here allison sorry but i didn't do as long as time a stretch <laughs> you know as you <laughs> god bless you for standing in there for 20 years sweetheart <laughs> you know <laughs> but one thing one thing I definitely, definitely realize, and maybe this is why I'm happier. That's why I'm saying happier. I sound like my dear. But it's true. I had six years of time gone. I don't regret that six years, but I'll be damned if I waste another second of it. I'll be damned. That's why I'm doing, I'm living more, you know. I'm spinning yeah. things around and I'm realizing I need to spend more time with me. More time on things I love, things I've wanted to do. Uh, I might try something. It might not be for me. Okay, no problem. But I tried it. But I tried it. Right. You know, some people won't have that mindset. They won't have that joy. Like we said, they stay in that rut. They stay in that pessimism. They stay in that abuse. They stay in the cycle. It's hard to break that patterns of behavior. You did the right thing. It you really did. Is. Yeah, yeah. You did the right thing. You did the CPD. You did the self help. What I what I've definitely done, as you know, and you're hearing it. We're helping each other. We help each other through it. You know, we met through, obviously, you know, um, Instagram. We met through a connection. And look at that beautiful journey. We're still helping. And I'm sure we're going to do more podcasts in the future, you know, because yeah. we need people to hear. There might be someone I know previously was listening that didn't act on it then, but heard it. Heard it and thought, hold on a minute, I can relate unfortunately i can relate that's when the penny drops it's that first reality of this is my life someone's describing they're going through what i'm describing we're in a society yes we're in 2021 we keep things hidden we keep things trapped we're not voicing it because we're ashamed mm -hmm. 
You know, right. we're, we're scared and of judgmentality, aren't we, as well, Alison? Yeah. And, and I feel like what you said, you know, really what we're doing is we're just planting a seed. Yeah. We're just planting a seed. We're, we're saying, hey, this is what I went through. This is what a lot of people go through. Maybe you resonate. Maybe you don't resonate. Maybe this is something that you've experienced. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's someone you know who've experienced it. But you plant the seed. Yes. And that happened to me. And then that's really how I ended up finding my way out of an abusive yeah. relationship because someone planted the seed. And I thought, eh, that's not right. Like, mm, I'm not in an emotionally abusive relationship. Like, the shame, the the embarrassment, the gosh, you feel so stupid type of things yeah. go through your mind. And then and then the light goes off and the fog clears and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. This is what was wrong the whole time. Yeah. And then you can find your way. And you're almost healing. like a newborn because you are. You're having to yeah. relearn everything yeah. again. You know, in many, many yeah. ways. That's having true. to be by yourself again. Having to be, you know, independently maybe eating things by yourself again. Going to different places. Maybe you're, you're in it, you're removing to a different place, a city. Maybe you're re-educating yourself actually by going back to school. But you're rebuilding bonds with family, like you said, you're relearning, you know, but also, you're, like I said before, you're embracing that, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful within you, within you. And that's something that, again, I think people don't do. Sometimes I've seen people, I've, I'm, I've done this myself, you go from one particular person to another, and it's the same person. You think they look different? No. It's the same narcissistic, abusive, you don't realize at the time. So again, you're repeating the same patterns. Some people don't wake up, you know, they, they keep going back for more. But standing in your ground, you know, some and being truthful, being honest. One of the things I loved was volunteering. I did it for a whole year and I, and I will continue to do so. Doing something with arts, you know, art therapy is becoming a big thing. Being out in a different environment. Talking to good people like yourself who've said, look, I've written a book about it. You don't have to write a book about it, but at least I've got done something to help someone else through this. You know, and right. it's there for you should you need it. You know, and there is another exactly. side. There is another side. There is a view over the fence. You just have to climb, whether it's a big leap, whether it's baby steps or... You're literally like, <gasps> like you've got emphysema, you can't climb. We get it. But you're making the steps to get there. That's the main thing. Yeah, the journey the journey, and the final yeah. destination of coming out, brilliant. We see it. It might seem like a small little glimmer, but the point is there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, on, I, a friend of mine said once, um, you can't see the whole staircase, but you can no. take one step. And I love that because Correct. literally that's what got me out was one step, step at a time. I started planning and I couldn't see where I no. am now. I couldn't see that I would be on the other side of this abuse, that I would be in a healing position, that I would be talking to people like you and, you know, sharing my story. Like I couldn't even see that at no. that point, but I knew that I had to take one step and then another step yeah. and then another step because how else are you going to finish the marathon Correct. if you just Stay who you are. Correct. You have to take steps to get to where you want to um, be. And you might not even know what that is. No. <laughs> no, I didn't see myself doing the things that I'm doing like, as you are. You know, you're on you're on a podcast station. Uh, I, I was telling you in our little chat, 
uh, about a month ago, I got selected to be a top mentor on a new app called Wisdom. And I was so like touched by that, so touched by that. And, you know, I am going to hopefully spend more time doing that. Yes, I've got my own podcast show, but that to me was like a wow. Look where you've been, look at your journey and look where it's taking you. You're helping others in right. more ways than one. You don't realize the ripple right. effect you're having. And it doesn't matter whether you've made that small step. There are some of us that panic like hell. I was one of them. I'm sure you were scared, almost like this deer in the headlights of, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't do this. Oh, my God. Like a kid swimming for the first time, you know, you're putting your head underwater. You're scared because this is all you've ever known. And it's hard to come to come even through this, you know, and it is it's coming out of a war. That's the best way I can describe it. You've been fighting and fighting and fighting emotional battles, mental battles, physical battles, spiritual battles, you know, all sorts. And you are you're like a warrior. You're a soldier and people don't see the physical. Yeah, it's, it's true. They don't see, you know, some of us, sadly, we do have the physical scars. Very sadly, we do. When we're in very physical, abusive, domestic violence situations, we do. And sadly, those scars are with us for a long time. But they don't make us. Yeah. Scars can heal, can't they? Scars can heal. That's right. But don't let this be part of your song. Let your song be of joy. Don't let this, don't let this situation define you. Because I haven't. Have you, Alison? No. And you know what I look at? You know, a lot of people will say... Oh my gosh, I wasted all that time with this person. I wasted 20 years of my life. I wasted six years of my life. I don't look at that like no. that anymore. There was a time in my life where I thought of it like that, but then I start looking at it like that was my growth period. That was like me in the cocoon. Yes. That was me in the cocoon ready to emerge. And I've emerged and everybody can do that. I totally have that belief that everybody has that growth period that they can emerge from yeah because when you when you come out of it the other side like we have like i told you i'm still on a healing journey i am not i'm not stupid about that i'm not you know there will be times yeah. I, i'm in i'm in a couple of months in from the divorce and yes i'm in a much much better place i'm not sat there sobbing my heart out like i was several months ago when i had anxiety this is someone who's strong this is someone you know again i'm labeling myself but I was full of joy. For, so for my whole world to be shattered, I was never like that. I was on the phone sobbing my heart out to very close friends, you know, in, in pieces. Never did I see myself healing. And I'm not delusional. I know there are going to be certain things that trigger me for a certain period of time. I said it to you earlier when somebody called me Mrs., for example, or somebody innocently says, oh, you bought something. Oh, is this for your children? Or is this for your partner and you, you're having to say no i'm divorced and automatically they go oh i'm so sorry for you and i go no actually it's okay actually it's the best thing right. that could have happened to me it's all right you know but be right. initially i wasn't like that it hurt it was sore and it was raw mm -hmm. and we we all go through yeah. different stages of that but you know each of our journeys we, we have to see the milestones that we've gone through and where we come out you know, and like it's I said, really important it's important. It really is. Yeah. To see where you've come from, what you what you accomplished and what you what you did. I mean, even if you're that person who went back, even Correct. if you're the person that went back again and again and again, you actually need to still give yourself credit yes. for getting away the first time and the second time and the third time. And if the strength to go back. back and the strength to go back. Right. 
You're not a coward. That's right. Some people will label them right. as, oh, the stupid, the daft, the this. No, 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 no. Actually, it takes a lot more guts to stay in that damn situation. Right. You know? It's hard to stay. It's hard to stay. It's hard to leave. I mean, all of the right. things that we have to go through when it comes to this type of abuse is really hard for people to understand unless they've been through it themselves. Yeah. Um, which is why you and I do things like that we do to try to help people understand the the gravity yeah. of these types of situations. Yeah. They're common. They're co- it happens all the time. It, it does, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it does. And it happens clearly in front of people. And that's the thing. These, you, you know, you were in this situation for a long time. So in regards to healing and in regards to, you know, empowerment, um, all of us will have different journeys. Some people do go back, Alison, and some people, you know, do struggle with going back. Sometimes they, they have nowhere to go. Sometimes they have a plan. Sometimes it might be they want to give stability to themselves or save money or safe place for their children at that time, you know, and then they get out. But it takes guts to stay too. Nobody's nobody is putting down anyone that's gone back sometimes part of our journey is we have to do a u-turn we have to go back around the roundabout we do a left we do a right eventually we go forward eventually we go forward but some of us stay that's their journey you and i are not there to judge that it's part of their journey that's part of your life you know you and i alison we're here to say this is our story this is our truth you know this is what happened to us. There are going to be lots and lots of people internationally listening to this too. So let's summarize what we can do to move forward. How can we help ourselves to move forward? So Alison, what would you say? Well, you know, just kind of to recap, when if you are able to escape from an abusive situation, the commitment needs to be on you. The commitment needs to be on you first, even before your own kids because you can't heal somebody else if Correct. you haven't healed yourself. Correct. So the, the commitment to healing yourself, finding a good support system where there are people and communities, survivors, um, you know, family members, friends, people who align with you and what you're doing and how you're trying to heal. Um, yes. if, you, if you can get a therapist or a coach, somebody like that, um, investing in self-care, like what you said, is so, so important. And and understanding and being gentle with yourself because yes. healing isn't a destination. It's a journey. And like you said, you might have to take U-turns. And not everyone's journey is a straight line. No. It could be very like spaghetti. But yeah. that's okay because that's what you have to do for you. Correct. And your journey will be unique to you. So Correct. those are the things that I think have helped me. And, you know, maybe they help someone else. Maybe they don't. Uh, other people find their own journeys and their own, um, you know, targets to, to aim for. And that's great. That's wonderful. And nobody's here to judge you if you stay or if you go or if you made a mistake because we all do. But the most important thing is to keep going, to Correct. never stop and never give up. Correct. My advice, I think I agree with everything that you've said. My advice also is, you know, loving self and, and keeping that relationship to yourself it doesn't matter how many times you've gone back. It matters about you. It matters about you going forward. Loving yourself enough to leave. If you decide to stay, then you're loving yourself enough to stay. You have your reasons. None of us are going to be judgmental about that. Because all of us are walking different walks of life. Different paths. We're all in different situations. Financially, emotionally, culturally. We are. 
we, we know we're not here from yeah. judgmental point of view we're saying we're here to listen and to support you sometimes we need someone just to hear us out you know um i will put in the podcast um obviously alison's contact lists lists and mine you know we are both you know helping people to to be able to have advice you know and there are ways of reaching out to us both if you are in that predicament even if it's just a friendly ear that you need sometimes there's that saying isn't there alison that it's easier to talk to a stranger than it is to talk to a loved one about your predicament because they understand us better you know that we're not coming at it from oh you shouldn't do this because of this 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 and this reason you know your family would disapprove exactly. and so on so to to conclude you know i'm sure alison and i will have several more podcasts in the future because it is a brilliant and beautiful friendship and sisterhood we've got alison definitely you know it is one that i treasure and it's one that i've seen you grow and i've seen myself grow even in these last couple of months i haven't been in touch with you but you can move forward with your life milestones happen recognize them guys recognize them if you have someone that's going through this you know you might not know how to help them financially or emotionally just listen just listen to them without being judgmental you know without being critical just give them that friendly shoulder friendly ear it might be that they just need that support you know and being a Yorkshire lass, we sometimes do that over a cuppa, as we say. We do it over a cup of tea, you know. <laughs> and if you've got chocolate digestives, well, that's even better, you know, or your biscuit of your choice. <laughs> so in the UK, we have that, Alison. If, if, you, if you're friendly with me, it's chocolate digestives, you know, or my rich tea biscuits. We have a certain type of biscuit that tells you what we think of you. So from Yorkshire, if it's chocolate digestives, that's it, you're in, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, just just make sure you're with people that are going to encourage you to grow. Whatever that growth is, you know, help yourself to come out of this, help yourself to heal. I'm sure Alison and I will do other podcasts like this in the future where we, where we check in and again and we help you grow and we help you to heal. We thank you, don't we, Alison, for tuning in. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to share with you all of our all of our healing and all of the things that we've been able to do to try to help others so thank you so much for having me not a problem thank you for being on the show this has been miriam khan and alison dagney on raise your vibes um please see the information in the podcast details about alison's books about alison's website i will provide that you can also look at my book as well diary of abuse of a loved one i will give you details about that and obviously raise your vibes but thank you for tuning in it's been a very important talk and I hope, you know, we both hope it helps somebody out there. Thank you very much. This has been Alison and Miriam at Raise Your Vibes. Take care. Bye-bye.